The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Raising teens alone can be brutal. It becomes easier when you are co-parenting with the universe. Welcome to Co-Parenting with the Universe. This is Muriel Felous, your host, and I hope you are experiencing a beautiful summer. Maybe your kids are back at school. Uh, here, it's not the case yet, so I still have some relaxing times. Today, I have a guest that I'm excited to bring to you because we're going to be able to clarify some myth about hypnotherapy. My guest is Mark Stubbles, and he's a hypnotherapist specialized in anxiety. And I will ask him to, I'm sure I will have many, many questions. Hi, Mark. How are you today? Hello, Muriel. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm terrific. I'm excited about our upcoming conversation. Um, first of all, I would love if you could tell our audience how you got to do what you're doing today, what, what brought you to become, becoming an hypnotherapist and specializing in anxiety. Oh, that's a really long <laughs> story. Um, so, <laughs> when to begin? So, um, I grew up uh, with a pretty dysfunctional family in uh, quite a dysfunctional environment. Um, I always had issues with anxiety. I always had issues with confidence. I had issues with relationships. Um, I just generally had lots of issues. <laughs> um, and uh, I um, got married uh, very young uh, when I was 21. And uh, we were married for seven years. Uh, we had a very, uh, I don't know, I suppose it was quite an explosive relationship, uh, very codependent, certainly. I was very codependent. Um, she was probably more saner than me. She sort of held me together. Uh, and then we got divorced, and the divorce was uh, horrendous. Um, and it lasted for about five years. Uh, she wanted to uh, leave the country with my daughter, and that led to a very long custody battle, which uh, cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I ended up living with my grandparents, who both became um, very, uh, well, my grandfather developed dementia, um, and yeah, so, you know, I ended up kind of caring for them. I was in a relationship, uh, which was also pretty dysfunctional. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, being kind of there with my grandparents, trying to care for my grandparents and seeing the way 
the family behaved, um, you know, I kind of realised that uh, this is where all my issues came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's that's aren't we all getting our issues, uh, the source of our issues in our in our family? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's pretty a lot of times it's like that. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, a child internalizes that and they think it means there's something wrong with them. You know, society sort of blames us or shames us out of you know, blaming our parents for our problems. Um, certainly, I don't blame anyone for my problems. You know, everyone's doing the best they can. Exactly. What they have. But it's, it's generational, generational trauma. Um, and, yeah, I was, uh, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of toxic shame projected onto me by, these people in my family yeah but like you said they can only do what they know and um thank thank god we're progressing in in psychology and we know more and more so we are trying not to make the same mistakes today mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah absolutely uh, when did you discover um hypnosis how did you come across hypnosis about uh, seven years ago. So as I say, you know, I was, um, I reached a point in my life where I started to question, you know, why, why do I keep getting into these kind of relationships? Um, you know, why, why do I have these issues? And I started looking for solutions, looking for ways to deal with my anxiety. Um, I think, you know, my anxiety, like I said, I was very codependent. I kind of needed, um, needed a relationship, maybe needed someone to kind of validate me, to yes. make me feel um, some kind of self-worth, maybe. So... Yeah, I started, you know, looking at that. Um, and then, as I say, the, you know, the family showed me the answer, well, showed me the cause of my issues. Yeah, we, we surely have, can. The more we learn, I know for myself, the more I can see the patterns and the ones I actually started reproducing before I... I decided to really work on myself as well. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, what we don't heal, we either repeat, you know, by new people to enact it on us or we enact it on others. And so did you come across hypnotherapy for yourself, is that how you realize the value of that technique, that tool? Or how, how did you decide that it was something you really wanted to learn and to start using to help people? Um, 
<laughs> it's, it's, it is such a, a long story that it would um, take me ages to explain it. Uh, but yeah, basically, I started listening to hypnosis recordings. I started looking on YouTube for hypnosis recordings. Um, also did some EFT tapping. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I started um, I was very kind of depressed. Uh, I mean, you know, I used to work online, I used to do uh, online marketing, SEO. Um, I suppose I kind of, I don't know if you'd call it a, a spiritual experience or um, derealization or psychosis because of depression. Um, but I just kind of reached the conclusion that, you know, nothing's real. <laughs> but, but it's so true. It is. Yeah. We're we're creating reality with our thoughts and our perception. Mm -hmm. It's very Absolutely. true. And you know, especially working online with websites and you know, doing like coding and stuff, you um, you know, you realize that they're just numbers and strings of code is you know making that stuff up. So it, yeah, it's did you feel like in the in the matrix? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you know, people who kind of work in IT and work in software seem to reach that kind of conclusion. I know I've been on a lot of uh, hypnosis training courses, and there's always people there that used to be, you know, software engineers and things. So. Oh. I never realized that. I uh, I never actually thought about it because I didn't evolve in that world. So I didn't. It didn't cross my mind. Wow! Mm -hmm. How interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I kind of struggling. I was like I say. I was depressed. I didn't know you know what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing. So I listened to a hypnosis recording and I decided that hypnosis is what I was going to do. And uh, yeah, that was how it all started. Uh, and then, yeah, I did several hypnosis courses. It wasn't, I mean, hypnosis helps and your mind can't tell the difference between a real or an imagined event. So yeah. just by imagining yourself as being more confident, um, you know, you can start to create new neural pathways in the brain and start behaving more confidently. Uh, you can also use hypnosis to, you know, release trauma. Certainly as I became a lot more mindful, I started uh, making connections between issues and thoughts that I was having. I had a very, you know, very vicious, inner critic, a lot of negative uh, self-talk. Um, 
I started making connections to, you know, the source of those um, issues. Um, and it wasn't really until I started doing more inner child work that I really noticed, uh, you know, the big, the big shifts in my life. And as you said, we, a lot of us have a very vicious inner critic. Mm -hmm. And I think we would never do to what we do to ourselves internally. We would never do to someone else. We would be ashamed, but yet we beat ourselves up on a regular basis. And then we wonder why we don't reach what we want to achieve or why we're so, like you said, I also used to be, I, I used to call myself when I was coaching people on relationships, I used to call myself the queen of attracting dysfunctional relationships because <laughs> something in me was resonating with them. It's a perfect dance. And yeah. I was engaging in that dance uh, because of, the inner critique and the self-talk that was so negative and so uh, preventing us to feel worthy of the best. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, you know, the inner critic, it comes, again, it comes from childhood, it comes from growing up with parents who uh, put us down, call us names. You know, in my case, uh, my father used to tell me that I should have been a girl, um, you know, that I was gay, things, you know, all his all his own insecurities. And I now realise now that it's more likely because he's insecure about his own sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, it's projections. In my case, I don't... I. The funny thing is that I did not have such a difficult childhood, but mm. yet certain repetition, a certain expectation of perfection created mm. a very strong inner critic. And mm. uh, that's what was playing against me. Mm. To come back to the hypnosis, I know that when I talk to people, because I also listen to recordings, I, um, I went through hypnosis to go in past life regressions mm -hmm. and I do stuff alone at home or always people but when I talk to people around me or even clients sometimes about hypnosis they're so afraid that someone is going to take control of their mind and they won't be able to um, block it or, or they will have to do, you know, it's like the shows. I, I lived in Las Vegas for 17 years. So you have those funny guys pretending to hypnotize someone and then make them do whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. How could you explain a little bit how hypnosis works and why you cannot really have people do whatever you want with it. Okay, well, hypnosis is a focused state of attention. If you've ever driven somewhere, gone to your destination, not remember the journey, that would be an example of hypnosis. You have been watching TV, lost track of time, and, you know, when you, while you were watching, finished, and it was time for bed. That would be an example of hypnosis. So it's kind of a flow state. Um, 
you know, when you're playing sports, many people have the experience when they're playing sports, they may sustain a small injury, you know, a nick or a cut, and they don't notice it and they keep playing. It's not until afterwards that they, you know, look at themselves and realise that they're bleeding. So it's a focused state of attention. You don't, it's not something that's done to you, something that's done with your cooperation. Um, With flight stage shows and things like that, they are selecting for the most suggestible people. Um, And, you know, and and they're picking the people that are going to be most suggestible to perform on stage. Um, And obviously, with a stage show, you've got all of that. you know, you've you've got you've got all of that atmosphere and and all of that stuff. So that even the most suggestible people are going to become even more suggestible. Um, and a lot of those people, maybe they just like attention and they want to act yeah. crazy to get attention. So um, yeah, it's it's not a form of mind control. You won't act like a chicken or anything. Um, But, you know, we're all being bombarded with subliminal messages all the time, you know, advertising. And, you know, these are all, you know, these things have been studied over years to, you know, to influence people on a kind of subconscious level. So, whether or not, <laughs> whether or not you know you're experiencing it, you're still experiencing hypnosis every day. And that's so true because they know how to impact us and influence us in ways that we don't detect in order to make us consume, in order mm-hmm. to make us buy, in order to make us feel that if we don't have the last, I don't know, a smartphone or whatever it is, we are not enough in some way. Mm-hmm. So that's so that falls into the category of hypnosis too then. Absolutely. Sigmund Freud's nephew, I believe, he was, he pioneered all this kind of stuff and um, created all kinds of adverts for Marlboro and you know all kinds of um, stuff to influence people and influence their choices. Yeah. So, how does first of all are there people who are not susceptible enough to be able to enter a state of hypnosis? Everyone's hypnotizable. Uh, but not not by everyone. So, you know, if, again, you know, if you don't trust the therapist or the hypnotist, if you don't have any rapport with them, um, then they're going to have a very difficult time hypnotizing. Uh, So, yeah, everyone is hypnotizable, but... So it's just a question of resonating with the person. Yeah, yeah. There used to be a theory that um, about 60% of people could be hypnotized, 20% were 
highly suggestible, really, you know, good hypnotic subjects, and 20% weren't hypnotizable at all. Oh. Um, and uh, a man called Milton Erickson, um, he's really kind of like the, the father of yeah. modern hypnotherapy, and you probably know of him as well from NLP. Yeah. Uh, one of the people that was studied by Richard Bandler and John Grinder when they uh, created NLP. Um, he uh, developed a more conversational style of hypnosis. Uh, and so he had far more success at hypnosis until that point. Again, you know, hypnosis was much more authoritative you know people would say like you will close your eyes and you will do this and you will do that Ericsson obviously again you know obviously a lot of people are going not going to respond to that they're going to be like no I won't like so <laughs> Ericsson um, developed other methods of working with people and had more success um, with hypnosis and that's more my style my style is more permissive as opposed to authoritarian okay and that i mean since our audience are parents and they may be interested in working with hypnosis with um teenagers your style would be way more um would would work better with teenagers because if you tell a teenager you're going to do that they're going to go the other direction usually so absolutely absolutely yeah i mean yeah you know ericsson uh developed things like frustrating a response so you know like <clears throat> and yeah like one example uh, would be like setting people tasks. So if you have someone who maybe suffers from insomnia, um, telling them, you know, when you can't sleep, I want you to get out of bed and clean the house until you until you feel tired and and then go back to bed. And if you aren't asleep within five minutes, you've got to do it again. So it's... Um, kind of using the problem, using what the person doesn't want to do as a means to, to get them to do what. Oh, wow. What <laughs> it's like reverse psychology <laughs> or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, emotional, yeah, like eating, you know, um, Again, you know, saying, well, you can eat as much as you want, but you have to walk to this shop two miles away first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what, why, I would like to, our audience to understand, why does it work? How does it work, first of all, with the brain? Why, why can we use hypno? hypnosis to heal and it works so well um <laughs> why does it work well there's lots of there's lots of theories um 
I don't think anyone's really sure, to be honest with you. One theory is that when we use hypnosis, we're accessing a hyper-learning state. Uh, again, going back to you know childhood until the age of seven, it's known as the imprint period. It's when children are learning their most difficult and complex tasks. Um, and it's been shown that in that age range, their brains are in the theta brainwave state, uh, which is also part of the REM sleep cycle. Um, so by, acts, by accessing that, you know, it makes it easier to visualize things, and it also increases neuroplasticity. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one theory on why hypnosis is effective, um, as I said, by visualizing ourselves the way we want to be. You know, we create new neural pathways in the brain. Um, also, you know, particularly with anxiety, it encourages mindfulness, it encourages relaxation. Um, and <clears throat> again, you know, from kind of Ericsson, I think he developed the theory of the uh, unconscious mind, although I think that, well, Freud had like, he called it the id. Um, he said that it was like a cesspool of repressed nastiness. And then Carl Jung uh, said, no, you know, the unconscious is yeah. a good thing and is what we want to access. Um, I think Ericsson developed that further. And, you know, he said that, you know, your unconscious is responsible for, for your breathing. It's responsible for keeping you alive. Um, so it's about giving people faith in that part of them. Like they have a, a guardian side of them that's always there looking to protect them, keep them safe. Um, there's so many aspects, so many ways that hypnosis can help, especially with anxiety, especially with inner child issues. You know, again, if you're growing up with dysfunction, you're going to learn to become hypervigilant. Yes. Um, your amygdala is going to grow larger. Uh, the thinking part of your brain isn't going to develop as much. So, again, by more we relax, the more we can start to um, reduce that mm -hmm. amygdala, uh, reduce those emotional responses and increase our capacity to think. Yes. And, um, oh, I had a question and it went away. <laughs> so my next question is, when... Because you said your style of hypnosis is more conversational, and but do you still use uh, what we call induction? First of all, maybe we can uh, define what induction is for the people who don't know. And is you do you still use induction in your style of uh, hypnosis? Usually, not always. When most people, you know, come for a hypnotherapy session, they expect to uh, you know, have their eyes closed and be listening to some 
nice relaxing soft music and yeah <laughs> you know, they, they expect that so yeah usually with most people I do but not always not with everyone Okay. And because I know I, I'm not a hypnotherapist at all, but I, I bring people into meditations and visualizations to um, really access the wisdom that is out there and in us. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes had them, I, I was counting backwards to relax them more and more and more. Is, is, it, is it like a hypnosis or... Is it part of it or is it safe to, to do in meditations and, and visualizations? Yeah, you know, some people, uh, you know, with hypnosis, depending on where you're located, there's going to be uh, issues. You know, not everyone can practice hypnotherapy in some states in America, for example. Some states you have to be uh, a psychiatrist yeah. to practice hypnotherapy. So to get around that, people may call themselves consulting hypnotists, or they may call, uh, you know, what they put on YouTube as a guided meditation. Yeah. Hypnosis. Again, a lot of people have a fear of hypnosis, so calling it a guided meditation could be you know more acceptable to them they may be more willing to listen to that as opposed to you know mind control um with him no you know i get this question a lot on my workshops like what's the difference okay uh when i do hypnosis i'm going to be looking to um get what's known as idiomotor response so i'm going to be looking to get people to uh, receive signals from their unconscious mind things to let them know that you know the suggestions that the changes are taking place at an unconscious level um, you know that's not something that you would get with a kind of guided meditation okay So that's, that's because I know I love doing guided meditations. I love conducting guided meditations, but I don't want to do something that is not in my, uh, that I don't have credentials for. So I was just curious. So um, we're safe there. <laughs> yeah, And, absolutely. Yeah, hypnosis is perfectly safe. Um, as I said, we, we all experience it several times during the course of a day. Now, obviously, it depends on the client. You know, there's some, there's some people that it just wouldn't be responsible to do any kind of therapy on. Um, and, uh, you know, in those situations, you obviously need to use your judgment. Yeah. So if, um, how would a mother, for example, if they experience, uh, if their kid has anxiety mm -hmm. and um, they, how, how would you be able to help them? Um, first of all, do you have teenagers maybe, I don't know, in, in your clientele? And um, would it be a good resource for them? 
Well, most of my clients tend to be adults. They tend to be kind of 35 and over. Uh, I have worked with teenagers in the past and had very good results with teenagers. Um, uh, so, yeah, I have worked with teenagers, but that's not my kind of main clientele. Um, and, yeah, so... Does that answer your question? What? Yeah, if it would be a good resource. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that they can think about to to use to help their their teenagers. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Hypnosis um, is a good resource for anyone, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> like I said, with anxiety, it's is particularly effective, um, and. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't just, I don't just use kind of hypnosis. Like I said, that I also use tasking, kind of CBT techniques, NLP. Um, so, yeah. Do you, when someone comes to see you, mm -hmm. um, is it is is it completely customized or do you have some kind of a roadmap that you follow systematically and you customize the aspects of it or or do you just adapt when completely? When it's a one-to-one -one session, it's completely customized depending on the client. Um, you know, I do a lot of uh, talking therapy, like generally. Uh, you know, there's like 45 minutes talking uh, and, you know, really trying to get to the root of the client's problem. And then, you know, we do hypnosis. Generally, again, it depends on the client, but the hypnosis sessions could last from 30 minutes to an hour. So typically uh, my sessions last, 90 minutes, 90 to 120 minutes. Okay. So, yeah. And uh, so how many sessions, let's say that someone comes with an anxiety condition where to where it's in their way, in their daily life, how many sessions do you typically recommend for people to attend? Well, I recommend people take at least three sessions. Okay. Um, you know, I sell, if it's an initial client, I sell the sessions in packs of three. So you don't have any option but to have three sessions. Yeah. <laughs> um, the kind of generally clients will see results within, within three sessions. Generally, they will um, see the changes that they're looking for within that time. Um, sometimes, depending on the issue, you know, people come to me with uh, PTSD. Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, I think um, that would probably take six to nine sessions yeah. generally. Uh, and, you know, other clients with more severe issues, uh may take may take longer may no. take more um but yeah you know with hypnosis you know with any kind of change work 
when we change one part of the system, we start to change all parts of the system. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, someone who's um, coming forward to in, uh, know, overcome anxiety, they're going to notice that they have more confidence, more self-worth, more self-love. And, and I'm sure it's like with, with us, with tapping, for example, because the brain is so smart that we encapsulate certain things that we we some kind of forget because mm -hmm. we can't deal with it. When you start working on one issue, other things come up to the surface to be healed, and then you have to continue working with that until everything is kind of... Uh, and like you said, sometimes it's like dominoes. You work on one or two and all the rest is falling by itself. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to address several uh, layers mm -hmm. of trauma, especially. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, when people come for one-to-one -one therapy, I always, um, I try and keep it solution focused and, you know, to get, you know, Ask them, you know, what, what's your life going to look like when this is no longer an issue? You know, the, the miracle question. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what, what do you want to get from therapy? How will you know when therapy is being successful? Um, the thing, you know, with more traditional kind of therapies is that, you know, you go and you talk and you go back week after week and it's like mm. peeling an onion. You know, you're just unraveling layers and layers and layers of trauma. Uh, if you do that without a, a goal, I don't think it's very beneficial. Yeah, you continue forever because, I mean, there are so many life incidents that we can address. But like you said, when you have, I call it an intention, What's your intention? Mm -hmm. Then you know when you have reached your intention. It's much more measurable and uh, able to see that you are toward the end of what you were looking for. Do people have to have homework in between sessions? Do they have to listen to a recording, let's say, from one session to another to reinforce the change that you made in the session? Or they don't have to do anything at all? I don't usually give people recordings uh, okay. to listen to. Um, sometimes, you know, I do have um, recordings on my YouTube channel and on my uh, podcast, which podcast. I direct people to. But no, I don't usually generally tend to set homework like that. Uh, as I said, you know, there could be, I am a fan of home, I am a fan of giving people homework to do. Uh, so, yes, like I said, it could be, um, you know, whatever the issue is. Yes. Like, yeah, like, you know, as I said, walk, walk to the shop two miles away if you, you know. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a great, yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to, <laughs> to have them change. Mm -hmm. um, so, if people want to experience your your work, I know you mentioned the podcast. That's how I got to you, actually, because I listened to it. And I love that you really do hypnosis sessions in your episodes, which mm -hmm. is great, because then you can 
listen and re-listen and as many times as you need. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the name of your podcast if people want to go and listen to it? The podcast is Anxiety Him, the Therapist. Anxiety Him, the Therapist podcast. <laughs> and I'll put the link below uh, below this episode so that people can find you. Uh, is there anything that one can do to have a hypnotherapy session more effective, like in preparation before they come? Um, no, you know, just make sure that you're, you know, if it's online, make sure that your device is fully charged, make sure you've got power. Uh, a stable internet connection um, and yeah that's it really you know again it depends on on what the therapy session for. if it's to stop smoking yeah I would tell someone to throw away all their cigarettes and ashtrays and stuff before the session so um, there are there you know there there are other things that people can do but it depends on the issue um always have a a chat to people before you know booking them in for sessions okay. uh, so generally yeah i would again give people uh, something to do between the chat and the session great uh is there anything you would like to share with the audience regarding what you're doing or regarding hypnosis before we close um no not really just uh you know it's probably the biggest realization for me with regards to overcoming anxiety is that it's a natural response to danger it's part of the fight or flight response um all emotions serve a purpose and what resists persists the more you try and fight against any emotion or four, the stronger it's going to become. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just that's that's, that's the final. Great point because, um, especially in the self development and spiritual milieu, sometimes people want to bypass the negative emotions, and that's a great reminder that mm -hmm. every emotion is like a messenger. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, I want to thank you very much. So your webs your website is anxietytherapy.org anxietyhypnotherapist.org anxietyhypnotherapy.org and same thing I will put it at the in the description of the episode thank yeah. you so much for being our guest today and, and shedding some light on hypnosis so that people could be more curious and not be so scared of it because I think it's it's such a pity to not try it It's an, an amazing resource. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And for our audience, so go check Mark's website and listen to his podcast. And if you're scared of hypnosis, you will have an experience and you will see that it's totally safe. Until I see you, go and vibrate at a high level. Go co-parent with the universe. I will see you in the next episode. Bye. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes and share it with other moms out there.
I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.